0: Hello! Welcome back! I see you've returned to Sam's Sports Podcast. It's so good to have you here again. I missed you terribly. Yes. Mmm, so good to be back that's a little little british little british had to come out right now just a little bit it's almost like when you're speaking like a british person that you're just clenching your buttocks as strongly as possible that's about the best way to do it hmm anyway welcome sam sports podcast it's wednesday march 2nd 2016 so happy to be back talking about football today. Oh, and I have many things to go into. So, as you may recall, my last football podcast, I did a bit of an off-season breakdown of, I believe I did three divisions in the NFL. I think I did the NFC East the AFC East, and I believe I did the AFC West. Let's see if we can get through a few other divisions on this particular podcast. I'm going to jump into these teams like nobody's jumped into these teams before. You know what I'm talking about. But we're having fun over here in the Thunderdome. That's some more... I'm trying out some more, you know, new podcasting type things. I'm not just saying I'm recording from my bedroom anymore. It's not just my bedroom. It's the Thunderdome, baby. little Mad Max reference of just kind of chaos and a big sort of dome-like thing. Anyway we're coming to you live from the Thunderdome. Depending on how live you want to think live is. It's all it's all your perspective, man. So, Thunderdome, I'm Sam. We're having some fun. Got Got me Foxy the fact checker here. You guys know Foxy now. I want to introduce you to Foxy. Hey, do him as Foxy, or at least that's Foxy for today. Foxy might be somebody else tomorrow, but today Foxy's this guy, man. You know what I'm talking about? I'm gonna find some facts, gonna check them for you, man. I'm really just gonna Google stuff and see if it's cool. You know what I mean? That's right. So that's Foxy, man. I love me some Foxy. Foxy's the guy I turn to whenever I don't know a fact, and I'm just talking out my ass. And I say, "Hey, Foxy, find that fact for me." And I hit pause, then I Google it, then I come back. Hit unpause and say, Thank you, Foxy. Although Foxy's ass smells, if you want me to be honest about it. So, NFL, let's, before we jump into these divisional assessments, let's discuss Sam Bradford. Mr. Samuel Bradford signing a two year deal with the Philadelphia Eagles, $36 million and 26 guaranteed. I tell you, how do you feel about this? It's a safe, conservative decision for the Eagles. You can't blame them for it. The truth of the matter is he is a quarterback who has for better or worse proven that he can compete and he can compete at a relatively high level in this league. Probably more so than anyone else that the Eagles have on their roster at the moment. Include, you know, I'm thinking of Mark Sanchez, I'm thinking of the possibility of acquiring a Chase Daniel all these options, Sam Bradford really is the most proven thing. Now you sit there and you think about how much money they guaranteed him. They're guaranteeing him $26 million. I gotta say in the NFL, that's the cost of doing business. When you want to bring in a guy and you need to secure him and he's playing at that level, the amount of money that gets thrown around is within the $17 to $20 million a year range. Now, you are guaranteeing him $6 million more if you went with the tag. If they franchise tagged him, I believe the average of the top five quarterback salaries in the league would have put Sam Bradford at around $20 million, maybe just a hair less than that. Now, I believe he's essentially guaranteed a roughly annual salary of $18 million. Now, the guy who's really got to come out of this smiling is Sam Bradford. Even with all of his injury history and the the inconsistent play, whether it's always been a product of a bad system or not, he's had a lot of offensive coordinators, had a lot of injury issues. The man has cashed in. His timing's amazing. He signed that rookie deal of about $50 million right before they decided to shut down those types of rookie deals and said, you know what, we're not going to let you sign those deals anymore. They're a little ridiculous. So Sam Bradford really cashed in there. And again, the timing of his deal is just perfect. It really allows him this opportunity to cash in, even though he really only had one season again, with another coach and a, and a coaching staff that's now gone. So he's again in a situation where his offensive coordinator is going to be gone, his whole coaching staff is going to be gone, he's going to be hitting reset all over again, and we're going to give him another shot. So they're committing this much money to him. I, I like it. I did say in several other times, I've spoken a lot about the Sam Bradford matter. I've spoken about how I feel it would have been wiser to move on from him, go younger, draft someone, get a Chase Daniel, get another one of these other quarterbacks, give him a shot, um, which is a scarier prospect and does sort of, I mean, I have to admit that in the NFL, when you don't have a quarterback option, you know, that could be the downfall of your entire team. So to spend a little extra money from the Eagles' standpoint, those extra million dollars, just to lock up a guy like Sam Bradford, and think about the length of the deal. It's a two-year deal. I'm t- I don't know the details of the deal regarding uh, the player option or the team option for the second year, or even if it's guaranteed. I have a feeling it's probably a team option. Hopefully it would be. Uh, that would give the Eagles more flexibility, and I think that's something they wanted to get out of this contract. Um They haven't released whether or not that's the issue. So is he locked in for two full years? I kind of feel if the Eagles want to get rid of him in the second year of the deal because after one year at the helm, they realize he's not really the guy they want. I feel like they're going to be able to wiggle out of the deal without really being on the hook too much. But to pay an extra $6 million to kind of have a two-way street agreement that's you know not a franchise tag where it's like, hey, this is a one-way street. We're tagging you, you can't do anything about it, deal with it. That's not happening. at least there's an agreement happening. there's a contract, there's going to be you know guaranteed money, they're giving him a little extra money and a vote of confidence to say, listen, this is your job, don't screw it up. And you know let's let's I do think it's a safer bet and it's I want to see the team win. I would think you want to see the team win. Giving Sam Bradford the job is a much more uh, a safer bet about a guy who's going to go out there and really see the team win. And now that we're putting him in an offensive scheme and a coaching uh, regime that is not this sort of newfangled Chip Kelly innovative offense, maybe we're going to finally see Sam Bradford you know, stay healthy and thrive and get an opportunity to really shine this year. Um, Playing a much more, you know, sort of traditional NFL offense, you know, play actions and running the ball and faking it. And, you know, give them a shot. Get let them, you know, give these guys a chance to actually play, not sort of a super fast up-tempo offense that leaves the defense on the field for 90% of the game. It was a give them a shot. I, I think it's a good deal. I like it. I, I'm very confident with how the Eagles have been doing things these days, and I feel good about this decision. So Those are my thoughts on the Sam Bradford deal. Let's jump into some of these divisional assessments. I had to check in on Sam Bradford. You know, come on, it's my Eagles. Um, First division I'll jump in with uh, is the NFC West. There has been some fascinating news here with the NFC West. I'll start right off with the Seattle Seahawks, simply because they are, uh, you know, one of the best teams in the league and have been making noise for the last couple of years now. Um, Because they've had sort of this championship team for the last three years. Slowly, each guy becomes sort of very valuable in his own way and gets sort of poached from the team. Um, So you might see a little bit more of that this year. There might be some of that with, uh, I think, um, Bruce Irvin might be a guy that they're letting go. I think they could save some cap space on him. Um, Some of the people that I think they're going to want to keep is Cam Chancellor. Cam Chancellor, when they had him last year, you know he sat out the first two games of the season, and then he came back in. There's a noticeable difference in how well the Seahawks played after Cam Chancellor came back in and started playing. Um, So that's going to be something that they're definitely going to need to keep an eye on. I think Michael Bennett also wants another contract, a a, a fresh deal that's going to give him more money. Um, I think it's at this time where you're going to start seeing some Seahawks leave and you're going to see, hopefully, John Schneider, the GM for the Seahawks, get a little savvy and pick up some uh, interior defensive linemen people who are going to probably be a little bit more of rotational players, guys they can bring in off the street to help fill those gaps around the great legion of boom that dominates that uh, Seahawks defense. Um, On the offensive side of the ball, you got to remember that uh, now Jermaine Curse I believe, is a free agent. Um, and he and Doug Baldwin did a, did some fantastic things in the second half of the season when uh, Russell Wilson all of a sudden turned into one of the greatest passing quarterbacks uh, we've seen in the last couple of years. He, he's he been known as a efficient quarterback who, who throws the big play, third down ball when he needs to, but for the most part, he hasn't been known to air it out. And last season, the last half of the season, he was really airing it out to Jermaine Curse, Doug Baldwin. However, I think one of those guys might finally get swiped away. You might see Jermaine Curse or one of them leave. With any luck, I would hope that uh, the Seahawks find a way to keep both of them. However, it is a little difficult. They've got quite a bit of money tied up with Jimmy Graham. And they don't know when Jimmy Graham's coming back from that injury. So you've got a lot of cap money tied up with him. And you're hoping to try to figure out a way to keep um, Jermaine Curse and Doug Baldwin, which might be a little tough. Um, Something else to notice ab- that was uh, a couple things I like to mention about the Seahawks is Jeremy Lane. So very good uh, defensive back. In the secondary for the Seahawks, if anyone recalls, he had a fantastic interception on Tom Brady in that Super Bowl that the Seahawks lost on that atrocious play at the end of the game when Malcolm Butler saved the the, the season for the Patriots. Uh, Jeremy Lane intercepted the ball from Tom Brady. I believe it was a play in the first quarter. And as he was returning the ball, he was hit and both tore his ACL and broke his elbow. So he proceeded to miss the rest of the Super Bowl, uh, needless to say, and he missed most of the following season. But he's now back, and he's actually young, under a pretty decent contract, and he's a pretty good uh, defensive back in that secondary, which, listen, it has Richard Sherman, and it's got some of the other key guys back there like – Earl Thomas, but uh, they had a little bit of a rotating door when it came to uh, the, you know, the, uh, the other cornerback spot, you know, Carrie Williams was there and then he was uh, shuttled off the team. I can't recall. Foxy got to get Foxy. The fact checker in here, Foxy. I got to figure out who was the guy that uh, replaced um, uh, Carrie Williams after he was benched. You got it, Sam. Hang on a second. I'll find out this guy. Hey, Sam, check this out. I figured out who it was. It's uh, defensive back Deshaun Shed. Oh, thank you, Foxy. I really appreciate that. So Deshaun Shed was the guy who came in and took over for Carrie Williams and didn't really miss a beat with him. Uh, but Jeremy Lane is, is a nice, promising guy who I think is going nowhere but up. And so that's a guy that they're going to want to keep. Um, retaining him in the offseason, I think, is going to be a very, you know, that's that's one of those things that, uh who is it, um... Bill Barnwell. I keep uh, I read that great article what he thinks every one of these teams should do in the offseason. He was really recommending keeping Jeremy Lane for the Seahawks. The other thing you got to think about with this Seahawks team, they had a lot of offensive issues, uh, offensive line issues. Um specifically, I believe um, they uh, traded away Max Unger to the Saints in that deal uh, for Jimmy Graham. And what you saw was that was almost a little bit of a domino effect on the rest of their offensive line. Their offensive line play was not nearly as strong last season as it had been in the previous two seasons where they went to the Super Bowl. So that's going to be something they really need to be mindful of as they go into the offseason. You can't can't be letting the situation with the offensive line hurt you the last thing you need is a blind side hit on Russell Wilson that ends your season your quarterback season and nobody wants that if you're asking me so the last thing I'll mention about the Seahawks which is probably the biggest news that's come out of the Seahawks um, off-season camp which is crazy to think about I still can't fully digest it but I'm going to put it out there Marshawn Lynch retires Marshawn Lynch retires Beast Mode is retiring so he says he's going to retire Uh, the Seahawks are like, we're not going to get any of our bonus money back. I think there's, so there's a little bit of a discussion of he's a little crazy. Well, I don't know if he's crazy, but he's, he's out there and he's sort of like, you could believe that he's a guy who's like, you know what? I'm just going to walk away, man, whatever, eat my Skittles and I'm gone. So, but there's also a sense of this might almost be a reflection of the toll that the football game takes on a player's body and his life. And this almost sense of wanting to retire a little bit earlier. He is a running back. He certainly put a lot of, uh, uh, you know, beatings on his body over the last couple of seasons, and really, he was a guy who was solid, was just indestructible. Could he was getting thousand yard seasons, double digit t- touchdowns each season, and then this past season, you saw injuries come in. This was the this past season was the first time you really saw him get slowed down couldn't run as hard was dealing with a lot of injuries and as he gets older he can't rebound from these injuries as quickly and Thomas Rawls came in this undrafted rookie they brought back Christian Michael they're sort of setting the stage for the end of Marshawn Lynch and I think it's true I think he's gonna leave I think the Seahawks are good enough and the running back position has become enough of a rotating door across the league that they won't miss a beat and the Seahawks will be fine but it's just a shame this is beast mode this is Marshawn Lynch this is 10.8 on the Richter scale, shaking the whole stadium. If if you uh, haven't seen that clip, go watch it right now. Even if you have seen that clip, just sit down right now and go beast mode, Seahawks-Saints playoff game. It's a beautiful thing to see him break about 30 tackles and rush off for a touchdown. My God, you can just feel the energy when you're watching that clip. Woo! Love it, baby. Beast mode. All right, enough of the Seahawks. Let's go to the other team that actually made a little bit more noise this season in the NFC West was the Arizona Cardinals. So Arizona Cardinals had a lot of exciting things uh, to feel positive about um, this past season. Um, this offseason, I think they still have some work to do because as great as they were, they, they got to keep it going. Um, a couple of things to mention are, uh, so Teron Matthew uh, tore his ACL. They really, their secondary uh, play started to dip after he went out with his season-ending injury, but they're probably going to want to keep him. I believe he's got a deal. What's his deal coming up? Um, I think they've got a they've got him hooked up. Damn it, Foxy! All right, let me just check this out. Foxy, go figure out what the heck uh, Teron Matthews' deal is. You got it, Sam. I'll figure out what Teron Matthews' deal is. Hang on a second. All right, so listen, check this out, Sammy boy. You got Teron Matthews. He's got one more year of his rookie deal left, so that's what's going on. Foxy out. Thank you very much, Foxy. You smell awful. So... Teron Matthew has one more year of his rookie deal left, so after that he's going to be a rest- unrestricted free agent. It would make sense for the Cardinals to lock him up now, get him in at a much more—you uh, know—I don't know if it'll be a team-friendly contract, but at least you're you're creating that continuity. Teams—I've I- said this before; I'll say it again. C- Football—you can't just change teams and jump in and just figure you're going to fu- figure out the playbook and thrive there. Sometimes players go to another team. Because they chase the money or for whatever reason. And they find out they don't thrive nearly as well there as they did on their first team. Because you know what? You got to be there. You got to know the people. Got to know the personnel. You got to get used to everything there. So <clears throat> Cardinals doing a good thing. I think they should lock him up. Um, they've got a little wiggle room on it. But it is something that if they want to be forward thinking and they want to keep their secondary uh, stable, then that's something they're going to need to think about going into the offseason. season. Um, pass rushing. Uh, They found some good pass rushing with Dwight Freeney and in years past they've also used John Abraham. The truth is that they've really found a way to get these sort of older pass rushing guys who might be quote unquote over the hill or a little too old and they've been able to find a way to make them productive. However, it doesn't really go on forever each year. They kind of need to go find another guy. And this year is not any different. They're going to continue to need to find some pass rushers and edge rushers to get at the quarterback uh, and keep that defense as tenacious as it was this past season. Um, same thing with their, you know, their defense was very good, but in a lot of senses, they were just making the most out of the people they had. And so their, their secondary sort of suffered at times, too. They've had some problems finding guys fitting into that secondary, and it's something they're going to have to look towards the future with. You know, I said this, when Matthew went out last year, uh, they really started to miss him in the later half of the season, which really started to show you the depth situation that Arizona has in the secondary got to be mindful of that so their defense is good but you take a few pieces out and you realize it's a little bit of a house of cards might not be as good as it sounds Um, you know Antonio Cromartie just got cut by the Jets he was in Arizona a couple of seasons ago you know he could be a guy that they slot in you know I mean he's, he's on the downward cycle of his career but like I said they have a way of doing in Arizona finding these veterans and getting them to perform above than what I think their expectation is at that point in their career. Now to flip over on the offensive side of the ball, Carson Palmer, you know the wide receivers. That situation's good. It's fine. Um, I don't think they really need to deal with that too much right now. They can keep it rolling. Those guys are just going to get better playing together. The offensive line. They've had some offensive line. Um, I don't want to say issues for. A bit, but OK, so they had Jonathan Cooper was a very high draft pick a couple of years ago, missed his whole rookie season with a leg injury. And ever since then, he's come back in. But, you know, he's been he's been decent, not as good as I think they'd hoped he would be. They also Arizona did spend a lot of money on Mike uh, Mike Ayapati last offseason, had some injury issues. But for the most part, he was pretty darn good on that offensive line. Um, however, the center position has been a bit of a rotating door. Um, it's not a great offensive line. It was good this year, but it can get better. And that is something Arizona, I think is certainly going to continue looking at, should continue looking at in this off season. And I'm going to give credit to the GM, Steve Keim, Bruce Arians. They put together a hell of a franchise. They've really, you know, between this regime and and the Ken Wisenhunt taking the team to the Super Bowl in the 2008 season, I believe it was. Um, Aside from that, Arizona's really been a bit of a laughingstock for a long time. So it's exciting to see them playing well, exciting to see them be as dominant as they were last offseason. Even though they got stomped by the Panthers, they still played some fantastic football over the course of the regular season, and I'm hoping that they can carry some of that into next season and not take any steps backwards. Um, that's what I feel about, uh, the, um, Arizona Cardinals I like their team I was I was rooting for them I think they played some pretty good football this past offseason let's shift to the St. Louis now Los Angeles Rams so no longer the St. Louis Rams Los Angeles Rams I like what they've done so far with these cuts those were guy Jarrett cutting Jared Cook he's been I don't want to say a disappointment but he has certainly not lived up to his contract ever since they brought him in as a tight end getting rid of him saves money it, that was an easy move all around and it happened James Laurinaitis leaving, though, was a little bit of a surprise, not because it was going to save them cap money, but because of his tenure with the team, the amount of time he'd spent on that defense, and the fact that he's still a good player. He's going to find a home someplace. I feel confident about that, but it was time for the Rams to move on. They've got a lot of other strong defensive players. For as disappointing as the Rams' record has been over the last couple of seasons, Uh, there's a couple things that they do perform very well. And number one, they play their divisional opponents very well. Whenever you see the Rams playing the Seahawks or the Cardinals or the Niners, it's going to be a dogfight, and there's a very good chance that the Rams are going to come out with a victory. Do you notice that this past season? You notice the Rams went into Seattle, I believe, and won, and I think they also won in Arizona. Like, they're not afraid of those teams. However, when they play everybody else, even the mediocre teams, they really can't seem to show up and perform at all. Um... That be, uh, Anyway, that being said, that the, what I really want to move on to is their defense. What's the unspoken thing here is, uh, I said, number one, they play well against their divisional opponents. Number two, they have a really good defense. And specifically, really, really, really good young defensive players. Um, uh, Aaron Donald has been phenomenal. He's still on a rookie deal. He's going to get a monster contract when it comes time. Um, but what you're also seeing is these other guys like uh, – Michael Brockers, T.J. McDonald, Robert Quinn—these guys are animals, and they're going to start commanding big money. And sooner or later, one of the one of them is going to need to leave. So moving on from James Laurinaitis, freeing up cap room to kind of sh- uh, to dedicate towards signing these younger guys. Um, moving on from Chris Long, another guy where you know. Decent player, but just the Rams, as a young team that has not been in the playoffs in a long time, is gonna, they're going to benefit much more from having that cap room and being able to spend it on some quality players, really the guys that they have in their own stables, and try to, you know, beef that up. Um, you know, from a secondary standpoint, they actually had some pretty decent uh, cornerbacks as well. You know, Janoris Jenkins, Tremaine Johnson, they both looked good. These are both young guys who are getting better. Um, I, you know, I feel... I feel, well, every year I kind of feel like the Rams are going to sort of turn a corner, and every year they kind of figure out, they find a way to shoot themselves in the foot. Um, But, you know, getting rid of those other guys, cutting Long, Laurinaitis, Cook, I mean, it just had to be done. They need that cap money to be put in other directions. Um, However, the thing that's still unfortunate for the Rams is their offense. They still have Nick Foles or whatever rotating, you know, carousel musical chair situation they have in the quarterback spot for the Rams, they've still got, you know, Todd Gurley is the thing that's to, that you got to be excited about. I mean, he was a breath of fresh air and you know, he's probably, I hope he's not a bit of a Chris Johnson has one or two good seasons and then starts to end up middle of the pack. I hope Todd Gurley turns into a little bit of a Adrian Peterson, this sort of dominant running back who just comes on the scene and becomes, you know, a phenom for the next couple of seasons. Only time will tell. He's a pretty hard runner, which is exciting. And it brings some more spice back to this uh, this Rams offense. I've been a little skeptical about um, some of their, you know, wide receivers. You know, they kind of had the whole thing with Tavon Austin, you know. And, and then Brian Quick was a really great wide receiver last year. And then he sort of disappeared. And, you know, Stedman Bailey, it was just a shame. He was playing good, you know, kick, punt, returner minutes. And then he was the guy who was shot during one of the off weeks. It's just – anyway, so – The offense is the thing that gives me pause for the Rams, and I think that that's probably something, you know, they should just – what they're going to keep doing is they're going to continue to lock up their defensive pieces, their young guys, because it's essential. Um, And really, defense still wins championships, so I think they're going to figure out a way to make it work on the offensive end. But I still see a missed. I don't see them making the playoffs next season. I'm still skeptical about these guys anyway that's all that's all I got for the Rams right now you know it's that there's only so much I can say about the now Los Angeles Rams well the, that'll be fun to see uh, those games in Los Angeles again you know the Rams you know it's, it's like Los Angeles teams come they go you know the you know the Raiders went to there and went back to Oakland the Rams were in LA they go to St. Louis they go back eh. um, let's move on to the other team in Northern California San Francisco 49 ers so. Chip Kelly arrives and drama comes with him. So right away, do they want Colin Kaepernick? Do they not want Colin Kaepernick? Are they going to keep him? Are they going to cut him? What are they going to do? GM comes out and says, all right, Trent Baalke, okay, this is what I'm going to do. We're going to keep Colin Kaepernick. He will be guaranteed on the roster as of April 1st. We're going to give him that money. Hey, now. And then very soon after that, Colin Kaepernick comes out and says, Hey, I want to trade. He's like, get me out of here. I have a feeling Colin Kaepernick heard some of these stories about Chip Kelly and was like, you know what? Get me out of here as fast as humanly possible. And the rest of the team has had so many issues. There's so much to say. Well, I don't even know if there is so much to say about the 49ers. Jim Harbaugh's time was sort of fast. It was, it was exciting and, and inspiring, and yet fast and short-lived. He was there for four years. He took this atrocious Niners team, which had been in the dumps with Alex Smith, and he made them good, not only good, but great. He made them an, a, a defensive team to be feared in the league. It was just two seasons ago that the Seahawks and the 49ers were in the NFC Championship game, and they had two of the best defenses in the league, hands down, bar none. And now, Niners' defense You've got early retirees. You've got injuries. You've got people leaving in free agency. You've got Alden Smith with his um, uh, legal issues getting suspended by the league. Y- you've got then uh, you know offensive line guys like Mike Ayupati leaving the team. All of these great Anthony Davis on the offensive line retiring. Just the whole team sort of scattered. And then Jim Harbaugh leaves in a real controversial thing with the, with the GM. They bring in, or they don't bring in Jim Tomsula. Jim Tomsula was an in-house guy who got promoted. Poor Jim Tomsula. Just did not seem ready for the job at all and really got put in over his head, got fired very quickly. It's just, it's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. I mean, a, a guy who has probably been a long time, um, you know, uh, or at least has been with the organization for a bit. And now, you know, he's gets shown the door after sort of being put in a situation where he absolutely was not going to succeed. I mean, heck they did as, mu- as, uh, as well as they could with Blaine Gabbard in there. I mean, they practically resuscitated Blaine Gabbard's career and is re- reminding everybody that, uh, Blaine Gabbard still exists and can play football for that matter. Um, but a couple of things, this, this, Niner team has got a lot of problems. They definitely need to shore up the offensive line. I think Joe Staley's inevitably going to be gone from there. All those other pieces left. I mean, there are some rumblings that Anthony Davis, not the NBA player, but the right tackle for the Niners who retired last offseason. There's some rumblings he might come out of retirement and actually show up and uh, try to get back on the Niners. That'd be a good news for for Colin Kaepernick if that actually happens. Um, Good news for Chip Kelly, too. I, I don't feel very good about um, Chip Kelly coming to this team. I feel bad for the Niners at this point. I think it's going to be a little dysfunctional. I think Chip Kelly's going to learn from some of his mistakes. But after seeing a coach like Jim Harbaugh butt heads with Trent balky in the organization, I mean, how long do we really think those personalities are all going to fit together in San Francisco? I am extremely skeptical. I see another under 500 losing record for the Niners. No offense to those Niners fans out there. I ain't got no beef with you guys. I'm just not feeling the Niners this come next season. They got a lot of work to do, and it ain't looking too good. Those are my thoughts on the San Francisco 49ers. Bop, 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 bop. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So let's, um, let's move on to another division. Oakley, dokely. I was going to go to um, another division. I think I was actually thinking about the NFC North, wanted to talk about the Packers and the Bears and stuff, but I think I am going to hold off on that division for just a moment because I'm going to do the NFC South division next because – Breaking news. Atlanta Falcons cut Roddy White, the longtime wide receiver for the Falcons. That's right, hot off the presses. The Atlanta Falcons cut Roddy White. And big surprise that's one of the things that I was reading about that uh Bill Barnwell recommended it he said cut Roddy White and cut Devin Hester save that money dedicate it towards younger more productive uh wide receivers and other parts of the team I think it's a very good idea and it does not come as a surprise one bit that Roddy White has now been cut um Julio Jones pretty much is is the man there I don't think that's going to change anytime soon Um, but there's definitely going to be some guys moving on from this Atlanta team. Now that Dan Quinn is there. I think Dan Quinn new head coach of the Atlanta Falcons uh, last year uh, was his first season. He started off very, very hot and then ended the season very, very poorly. Um, However, going into his second season, you will see him, I think, continue to reshape the roster in his image. He comes from the Seattle Seahawks, former defensive coordinator for the Seahawks, so he is someone who is going to be focusing a little bit more on defense, a little bit more on some hard-hitting guys. A couple of things to be mindful of. Desmond Trufant, this is a guy you want to keep around. He was playing excellent uh, last season, and even the last couple of seasons, he's a guy that almost uh, fits very much into that hard-hitting defensive talent that Dan Quinn likes. Um, Someone who you want to make sure doesn't go anywhere. Uh, something else to be mindful of on this team that's uh, really a, a cause for concern is their offensive line. They've had a lot of problems on the offensive line with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, they've been drafting guys. Uh, most notably, Sam Baker was a guy who played very well on their offensive line until he got injured, Then and they proceeded to still give him good big money. He then got injured again and inevitably never lived up to the big money they gave him and washed out, And and at the very least – didn't play offensive line as well as he could have after his injuries. Uh, They drafted Jake Matthews, which was a nice pickup, but still Jake. The truth is Jake Matthews is really only one offensive lineman and they've been rotating through other guys. And when you have um, Matt Ryan back there and no one's protecting him, there's only so much he can do when he doesn't have any time to throw the ball. So offensive line is definitely a bit of a hole in this team that they have to be mindful of, Um, you know, that's definitely not going to be uh, something that's going to just fix itself overnight. Um really I like what Dan Quinn's building here at Atlanta. Atlanta was a team that I think was just a few plays from the Super Bowl only 3 years ago, but the last couple of seasons they've really really fallen off the map. They had those two painful years at the end with coach Mike Smith before he was fired. Um You know, when Tony Gonzalez was still there, poor Tony Gonzalez, I mean, great career for Tony Gonzalez, but that last season in Atlanta was pretty rough. Um, And, you know, they just had older guys and I think they hung on to some of their people a little too long. Uh, Having Roddy White last year, I think was a bit of an example of that. Um, But, you know, Dan Quinn is going to shape a nice, hard-hitting defensive team that's really going to, I think, stir up quite a bit of uh, good play in that uh, NFC South against teams like the Carolina Panthers, against teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Saints are just going to keep throwing the ball until, oh, when those Saints, oh, throw the ball, oh, Drew Brees will be throwing touchdowns to not Marcus Colston. That's the next thing I want to mention is that Drew Brees... I'm not throwing touchdowns on Marcus Colson anymore. He got cut, but I am not, I'm not up, I'm not at the Saints yet, okay? Slow down. So, Atlanta Falcons, that's what I think about these guys. I think they will improve. It's going to be tough. They're in a heck of a division with the Carolina 15-1 Carolina Panthers. Cam Newton just, Cam Newton all over the place, just running around, Superman, dabbing. You know how it goes. Cam Newton will beat you into the ground. However, good thing to know. Atlanta Falcons were the only team, well, aside from the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl, the only team to beat the Carolina Panthers in the regular season last year. Little little food for thought. Moving on to let's speak of the Carolina Panthers, let's go to the Carolina Panthers. So, what do you do with the Panthers? What what's wrong with their team? What can be fixed? Number one, I believe they've already franchise tagged Josh Norman. Had to happen. Totally predictable. He deserves it. It gives him more wiggle room. You don't want him going anywhere. It wasn't a surprise. Just do it. He's earned the money. It's fine. Keep him there. Hopefully, they'll keep working on a long-term deal. Jared Allen retired. That's wonderful. That works great for Jared Allen. That works great for the team. He gets to leave on his own terms. He got a chance to play in a Super Bowl. Didn't win it, but you know it's pretty nice to play in one. And they're going to get nice cap room from that. So that was a win-win for everybody. Uh, very predictable. Uh, very good for Dave Gettleman, the GM of the Carolina Panthers. It's going to benefit him as uh, you know, as he tries to you know, he's going to now now as we see with these championship teams, all of these no-name guys get a little you know, their stock goes up, and uh, they're all going to want some good money. So another thing Bill Barnwell says is on the defensive side of the ball, Kawan short was a hell of an interior pass rusher. This guy was really, really devastating. Like you saw him, I think he had one of those great, uh, I think he had a strip sack fumble on um on Aaron Rodgers. He, he played out of his mind in the playoffs this year, and he's a hell of a young player that's definitely going to command good money and is going to be a piece of their defense for years to come. So that's going to be something that the GM is really looking towards. He's got to be mindful of it. So cutting guys like Jared Allen, getting that cap money off of your books uh, is is going to be good when they're looking towards locking up these younger guys. Um, Charles Johnson, uh, another guy who was uh, – he was – uh, he's one of these older deals from GM Marty Herney before he was fired. Uh, Marty Herney, you know, listen, there were a lot of ups and downs to Marty Herney's time in Carolina, but one of the downs is that he handed out a lot of long, absurd contracts, and Charles Johnson's contract was kind of one of them – they should definitely try to rework this deal. I think he still has some value to the team, but he's not really valuable for the dollar amount that they're giving him at this moment. So that's something that I, Bill Barnwell recommends that I really, really like. Um, the other thing, uh, you know, to, to think about, um, I think, is from a defensive standpoint, is their secondary. So they've got Josh Norman. But they also had a lot of older players. They had Charles Tillman. They had Roman Harper. They had, uh, you know, some other who are older guys, but also Benny Benwickery. Like, these were all guys who got hurt. Inevitably, I think in the Super Bowl, um, Cortland Finnegan was playing in the secondary for these guys. So they had a lot of injuries in the secondary, but they were also using some older utility guys who, you know, you can probably bring them back next year, but they're just going to get slower, and they're guys who are not really going to be as fast and tenacious in the secondary as Josh Norman and some of the other premier uh, cornerbacks of our time right now. So you're going to need to be mindful of that looking towards the future. they got Kurt Coleman. They've got other guys, but, you know, you need depth and you need some more starters. Inevitably, the older guys are going to retire and not be able to come back. Um, The offensive side of the ball, I think they're in great shape. You know, Cam Newton, Jonathan Stewart, Mike Tolbert, uh, you know, you got uh, Greg Olson. Um, I mean, Ted Ginn, I don't I don't know what they'll do with Ted Ginn and, and Jericho Cotchery They can probably find improvements from that. Kelvin Benjamin will be coming back. I mean, I, I've i preached on this podcast before how I feel about ACL tears and that players are typically not a, uh, as good or 100% when they come back that following season. However, you know, Kelvin Benjamin's going to be back. He will be contributing. He will be playing, unlike this season where he didn't. And that is something that, you know, you have to look forward to from an offensive standpoint, at least for Cam Newton. Um, I still feel very positive about this Panthers team. They're going to come back in, and I I have a feeling they're just going to make more noise next season. And uh, more power to them. They should be. They, you know, they, they did some fantastic things this season in the, in the Super Bowl. It's just uh, they couldn't pull it out. They got beat by a defense. But uh, a team like that, Looks like they are primed to go right back. If they don't go back to the Super Bowl, they're going to go deep in the playoffs again. That's my call. Um, let's shift to the Saints. Oh, when the Saints go marching in, Drew Brees has a cap hit this year, which was so gigantic. Foxy, yo, what's up, man? Foxy, tell me right now, what was Drew Brees's cap hit before they restructured his deal? Hey, uh, Sam, this is Foxy. Check this out. Uh, The Saints have not restructured Drew Brees' deal at all. They did that last offseason. He is going to count for a $30 million cap hit next year. Whoa! $30 million cap hit? That's bananas, if you ask me. That's a lot of money to be committing to Drew Brees, even if you're Drew Brees. But starting to kind of review back to the Sam Bradford discussion from earlier that's the kind of price you got to pay to get a guy who's going to be your starting quarterback in a league. That's called the national football a league. So it's more indicative of how ugly And terrible the cap situation is for the New Orleans Saints. They gave Drew Brees. I don't want to say too much money because you know Joe Flacco was also hit with that. They just okay. Joe Flacco's deal was restructured. He actually no, he actually he signed an extension which allowed them to shift that money around. We'll get to Joe Flacco when I do the AFC North. Um, That's for I I don't know if I'm going to do that this podcast, but specifically um, the Saints. Drew Brees got a big deal after he won the Super Bowl. Joe Flacco got a big deal after they won the Super Bowl. And the reality is these deals, they try to work it so that the the it's backloaded with money. And in in a quarterback situation, unlike other positions in the NFL, you can't cut them and get rid of them nearly as easily as some of the other positions. I mean, you can, you just end up carrying a lot of dead money on your cap, more so with quarterbacks than with other positions. So it becomes considerably more costly if you're in a situation where you need to cut a quarterback and carry that dead money. So Joe Flacco, Drew Brees, these situations, these teams are going to work with that cap hit. And listen, I don't care what anybody says about how atrocious the money is that you're paying these guys. They're some of the best quarterbacks in the league, okay? I don't care what you say, I would take Drew Brees over Sam Bradford any day of the week, okay? You go into your season, New Orleans Saints fans, with Drew Brees at the helm, you know that you are getting a Pro Bowl tier, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, who's won a Super Bowl, going out there and starting all 16 games. Okay, that is happening. It's worth the amount of money. If you've got to figure out holes in the rest of your offense, you know, you got to be blaming your general manager for that, and maybe... You think about that the next time you try to sign a contract to a major, uh, you know, quarterback like that. But when you want when you've got a quarterback that good, you got to you got to pay the price, and paying the price means taking a thirty million dollar cap hit. So the Saints are cash strapped, so to speak. A couple other things that I like that they did is, as I mentioned earlier, oh, when the Saints cut Marcus Colston. Marcus Colston, the revelation in the seventh round, drafted very late about a bundle of years ago. Hey, Foxy. Yeah, what's up, Foxy? Tell me when Marcus Colston was drafted. Hey, Sam, check this out. Marcus Colston was drafted in the seventh round out of Hofstra in 2006. Foxy, you smell awful. Okay, so Colston drafted. 2006 draft he spent 10 full seasons on the New Orleans Saints he really was he's really been one of the best wide receivers they've had I've loved watching Marcus Colston play rooting for him except when he's beaten my Eagles Um, he's won a Super Bowl he's done great things for that team there's been a couple of opportunities over the last couple of seasons where I think they've uh, you know tried to cut him or, or, or not tried to cut him but cutting him would have made sense but they stuck with him Because he's a career saint and he's a good guy. Uh, But inevitably, you know, they've got younger wide receivers who are taking over Colston's job. Colston has too big of a cap hit and they're moving on from him. It's not a particular surprise. They will figure it out. Drew Brees knows how to get the ball to his receivers. Um, they also cut Jari Evans, pretty good offensive lineman who also won the Super Bowl with the Saints. But again, cap casualty. They are in such cap hell in New Orleans that they need to move on from these great guys like Colston and Jari Evans. But it was going to happen sooner or later. That's the bottom line. Um Brandon Browner spent a season last year in New Orleans. I think they're also gonna cut him. He got fairly decent money. Brandon Browner has really been bouncing around to a couple different teams. I believe he was on the the Eagles last year. He was on the Patriots the year before. Uh won the or was it last year he was on the Patriots? No I, Hank Foxy, tell me when the hell Brandon Browner was on the Patriots. Yeah, right, check this out, Sam uh, well, um he was on the uh, the the Patriots just last year. So Brandon Browner won a Super Bowl last year, and he won a year before with the Seahawks. Oh man, are you got to be? Ki- Thank you, Foxy. So you got to be kidding me. So he won two back-to-back Super Bowls with two different teams. However, I do know a little bit of information about this. That Seahawks Super Bowl that he won, he was injured and he did not play. So he got a ring, but he didn't actually play in the game. Now. The Patriots Super Bowl, where he beat his former team, he was in that game. He was playing off with Darrell Rivas. The two of them won a Super Bowl ring in that game. However, Brandon Browner then was cut from the Patriots, was signed by the Saints. He never was on the Eagles. I'm thinking of Walter Thurman. Um, the truth is, he has an issue with penalties. He really draws a lot of flags. I think the last couple of seasons, he's led the league in in drawn penalties, things like that. It's really amazing. So he's another guy, you know, Saints gave him more money than he needed, um, or that they needed to pay him. He play, his play, his play was a disappointing this year in New Orleans. I mean, he was an all around disappointment, and getting rid of him, freeing up the cap room, is a good decision for them as well. Um, the The last couple of things I want to mention about the Saints is they've got a really good offensive lineman. I was mentioning the offensive line earlier with Jari Evans, uh, Teron Armstead, young guy. He was a, a seen a little bit as a project. Um, coming out of college, Uh, he's really been a bit of a... You know, a bit of a revelation. I've used, I keep using the word revelation. He's been uh, some good, good offensive lineman for the Saints. Uh, surprising, I would say. And is someone that I think the Saints should really be thinking hard about trying to secure, lock up, keep him in-house. You don't want him going anywhere. Um, and especially with some of these better offensive line guys leaving because of salary cap issues, it's good to focus on some of these younger guys who are playing pretty well. Um all, the last thing I'll mention is tight end. Um, so they let Jimmy Graham leave, um, and they pretty much, uh, gave Ben Watson the job and Ben Watson was great. Uh, I think there was a sense that he was a little bit over the hill, but in, in Drew Brees passing offense, you know, he makes his tight ends look good. And Ben Watson did just fine last year. So I think keeping Ben Watson, um, signing him to decent money, doesn't have to be amazing money. um, He's a little older, but in the tight end position, big guy like that. I think he's got a few more years in him. You you really need to be sensitive to that, and um, uh, I I like it. So I I like that situation. Um, And, uh, you know, anyway, I'm I'm rambling here. Uh, Enough about the Saints. I don't think we we need to really dwell on them too much longer. The last team I'll go into with uh, the Buccaneers, um, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they – Okay, so there there were some good things that came out of last season, and there were some bad things that came out of last season. So the bad things were the players that they gave money to who didn't really pan out, like uh, Alteron Werner, Bruce Carter. These are guys, you just get rid of them. Get them out of there. They didn't work well. They're, they're kind of – Tampa Bay has – gotten into that groove that the Indianapolis Colts get into where they really feel they can go out there and sign free agents that they can just fit in to open holes on their team and it'll just you know make the difference when the truth is sometimes these free agent signings backfire and I say this because you commit good cap money to these guys and not only do they not play well they don't even fit in the scheme whatsoever and they end up getting benched and so you get guys who are just eating up cap money and playing poorly and you end up really having a terrible team. Uh, so that's something that really has been haunting uh, the Buccaneers for the last couple of seasons. I mean, you saw it also with uh, Michael Johnson, the guy who they signed uh, away from the Cincinnati Bengals, then they cut him and he went right back to the Bengals uh, because, simply because he just didn't work out on Tampa Bay. Um, that can also be attributed to front office, uh, you know, changeover when you saw uh, Greg Schiano and the GM at that time both got fired. They bring in Lovey Smith, and now Lovey Smith has been shown the door. Dirk Cutter is going to be getting the job. The things that really shined this year um, were Jameis Winston, number one overall pick, playing pretty well. Uh, I think his play was a little dodgy at the beginning of the season. However, um, it got better. Uh, As the season went on, he really started to kind of come into his own, looked like looked very much more like he was ready for prime time towards the end of the season, started to win games, started to really carry things on his shoulders. Uh, However, the last couple of games, the the season fell apart, and I think they they didn't uh, I believe they finished with a losing record. Um, But the other thing that came out of that offense is Doug Martin. Doug Martin is back. He's finally back. The the muscle hamster, as they used to call him a couple of seasons ago. Doug Martin finally, you know, he had this amazing rookie year, and then he fell off. Then he had injury issues, and everybody really thought he was a one hit wonder. He came back, and he ended up being the second leading rusher in the league last year. Kudos to him. He had a thousand yards rushing, and in a league where you're really seeing much more running back by committee. And much more uh, or much less emphasis on the running game and the, and the merit and the value of the running game. And Doug Martin really was able to make some noise. Um, uh, and I th- and the, the interesting thing that Bill Barnwell says about this is that you want to keep Doug Martin, but you want to not pay him too much money because the market for running backs it's just painful the the position you know it's probably got a lifespan of two or three years for most running backs the great ones play longer than that they take such a pounding on their body and yet you know they're valued so little in the football in the NFL now you know quarterbacks, corn, quarterbacks, defensive backs, uh, you know edge edge rushers, these guys command such huge salaries and these running backs just don't and so, the truth is, I think the Buccaneers are going to want to keep Doug Martin, but I think they will end up, I don't want to say it's a mistake, but they'll end up paying him more money than they need to pay him, just to lock him up. And you know what? Give the guy some money. If anybody's going to overpay a little too much, let it be his. Let it be the franchise that is stuck with him this long. Um, another interesting thing that Barnwell mentions, which I'm a little skeptical about, is Vincent Jackson... Uh, He says, don't cut Vincent Jackson. Vincent Jackson has a massive cap hit this year at $12 million. He was another example of a flashy wide receiver that got paid way too much money by the old GM of the Buccaneers. And he's here – you know, getting all this money to to catch balls from Mike Glennon. Well, at least now he's got Jameis Winston. Um, I think he's a little. I don't want to call him a safety blanket. He's not like a checkdown receiver. He's definitely a vertical threat who's going to stretch the the defense in the field. Um, but that vertical threat is something that Jameis Winston is going to blossom into. And as much as Mike Evans is this dominant, you know, eight foot tall receiver who can move all over the field and find a way to get the ball, jump up over his defensive backs and yank it out of their hands keeping Vincent Jackson for another year, pay him that exorbitant money and and let him continue to thrive and let Jameis Winston understand what it's like to have an excellent vertical threat like that. It's going to do nothing but benefit your team. And at this point in time, I mean, you can find cap relief in other places. I don't think Vincent Jackson is a bad player who you need to get off your roster. He's a good player who's actually earning the money that you're paying him. And the reality is there's nobody else in that wide receiver core who's nearly as good as he is. And you're essentially going to have Mike Evans and a bunch of guys catching the ball for, um, you know, from Jameis Winston. And that's something you just, you got to be, give the guy some talent. Sometimes when quarterbacks need to get better, they just need talent around them. Um, Aside from that, uh, I mean, they've got defensive problems. Uh, Gerald McCoy is fantastic defensive player. Uh, Levante David they've got these great defensive players but I think their problem has just been coaching they just continue to be coached in a way that does not accentuate their positives and they've got a few guys on their team that really you know there's no edge rushing on the team there's no real sort of getting at the quarterback there's been a lot of problems with this Tampa Bay team they really started to turn a corner just a little bit last season with Jameis Winston but there's so many more things that they really need to think about um reflecting a little bit to give you some news also this is new new the buffalo bills cut mario williams the high paid defensive end he was definitely not fitting in there but i say this because maybe the buccaneers go get mario williams he's a guy that could really really benefit and thrive in that tampa bay defense and i think he's a nice splashy player that you could put there and help things turn around on that defensive end it's just they've had a lot of problems and i think just getting talent back on the team can really, really make a difference and help that team turn a corner. As much as I, you know, I know they turned a corner a little bit this past season because they didn't have, you know, uh, 14 losses, but I really think turning a corner when I say getting to eight and eight or getting actually a, uh, a winning record. Boy, oh boy, that was a lot. We riffed, we did a couple of divisions. Uh, two divisions, we riffed on Sam Bradford. I'm looking, this is, wow, almost a 52-minute podcast. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I don't usually yak that long. It's a good one. I like it. I like it. I went on for a while. So I'm going to close it out for today. I think we had enough. Sink it in. We'll come back. We'll talk more football. I got to get through all the divisions. And besides, I got to jump in and do an NBA podcast soon enough. I mean, you know, maybe I'll get a little frisky. Maybe I'll do a little baseball. Baseball's coming back. I can't knock it too much. It's fun. You know, I, uh, so I'm gonna pr- I'm going to plug myself as I usually do. I uh, pl- <laughs> plug myself. <laughs> um, so I got my show here Sam Sports Podcast. You guys know the drill. Subscribe to me on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And, uh, you know, you can find me on Facebook, Sam Sports Station. The email. The, so this is Sam Sports Podcast. I'm kind of making the brand like Sam Sports. I think I'm going to do an LLC very soon. It's all Sam Sports because I got Sam Sports Podcast. I got my YouTube station, which is Sam Sports Station. You go to me, follow me on Instagram. I'm Sam Sports Station. Twitter, I had to make something unique. So I'm at Smithface Jones. One of these days, I'll tell you the story behind Smithface Jones. But as I like to say now, I want to plug the show Local Philadelphia radio show this Saturday, this Saturday, March 5th, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 to 11 a.m., six ten a.m. ESPN Radio. You're going to see, you're going to hear Sam's Sports Show. That's right. My very first radio show, local Philadelphia radio. I love it. I'm going to be recording my second episode this week. I'm going to be pumping out episodes. I'm, I'm trying to sell advertising. You want to advertise on the show? Call me up. Email me. Email me at samsportsstation at gmail.com. S M A S S P O R T S S T A T I O N at gmail.com. I almost got that all. Okay. Samsportsstation at gmail.com. Come listen to me. Uh, visit. You can go to, okay, today. I just looked today. 610AMSports.com, 610AMSports.com, you will see Sam's sports show listed there under live local radio, it'll say coming soon because the first episode hasn't aired yet, but as soon as it airs, you're going to be able to hear my episodes in podcast form there, guess what, 610AM radio also use SoundCloud, that's the good stuff, Use the good stuff, you know what I'm talking about, the good stuff. Anyway, this has been a a juicy podcast. Listen to me on Saturday mornings. You're going to be hearing me talk a lot of Philadelphia sports. I love me some Philadelphia sports, so I have plenty to say. Um, But I also love talking to you guys, and I love having you listen. I'm going to be doing contests, giveaways, all kinds of fun stuff. You know, never stops with me. Anyway, it's been enough for today. I love you guys. I'll talk to you real soon. Take it easy. Bye-bye.